0: Walter Cronkite once said in seeking truth, you have to get both sides of the story. The media is no longer interested in both sides of the story. Sometimes they don't want either side, not if it contradicts with their own, because worst of all, they're not even interested in really seeking the truth. I know I've been there. The media machine is so odious and so corrupt that when it it, when it encounters an actual journalist... It rejects them. Uh, It's like the body rejecting a disease. That's exactly what happened to our guest today. She's got so many Walter Cronkite qualities, except for the lean towards socialism kind of part um, that she drives journalists out of their mind. She has a spine, a soul. She's got gumption, fortitude, tenacity. She has a moral compass. She has an eye for politics and innate ability to say the right thing in the perfect way. And she is one incredible uh, interviewer. If I would not want to be on the side of a hostile Megan Kelly interview in an era of fake news, she cares about telling the truth. And towards the end of this podcast, you'll really understand why she has become unwavering in this pursuit online and the media hates it for years. They've tried to silence her, but now welcome to the freedom of the internet and welcome to the Glenbeck beck podcast this week's guest megan kelly i swear to you my wife is buying time on this program because i'm i'm now doing a, a commercial for an exercise bike and protein bars uh and look at me i mean you work to get a body like this um the protein bars however uh are a complete and total joy They are so good. They're like a candy bar. Now, they're low-calorie, high-fiber, low-carb. You probably shouldn't consume them, at least as many of them as I might do, but they are really, really good and healthy, you know, in the right amount. I'm just saying. That's my wife talking, not me. BuiltBar.com great 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 snacks and protein bar a way for you to um, get in state shape stay in shape but also please the sweet tooth builtbar.com just try it use the promo code beck at ten dollars off your first order that's promo code beck at builtbar.com Megan, uh you're known for the news, you're known for incredible interviews. Um but I think you're also known for being a great thinker. And I I want to start with something a little more f- philosophical. Where are we as a nation right now?
1: We're just about as polarized and divided as we've been in several decades, Glenn. Um I mean, I think we're definitely more tribal uh, than we've been in 100 years. The people have actually taken hard looks at at this to see. And I think as opposed to having a moment where we've come together after a difficult time, Corona or even the protest that we saw with George Floyd over the summer, Mm -hmm. they've only driven us farther apart. And I don't see the bridge getting healed anytime soon. People are retreating to their separate teams as opposed to even wanting to find a way back to one another.
0: But isn't that brought on by something bigger than individuals i mean george floyd i don't know a single person that disagreed i mean i agree with the idea black lives matter i just don't believe in black lives matter inc Um, of course and the force behind it the money behind it uh and the and the actual goals behind that particular group and there's others like that but i don't know anybody who doesn't think that what happened was right and I think we were together. And then we were ten- intentionally taken apart.
1: Mm-hmm. Because it became political. When, when the concept of Black Lives Matter was introduced, lowercase BLM, Americans were on board. right? But then it became political. And if you look at the stats now, more than 80% of Republicans do not support Black Lives Matter. Okay, so th- it's now, and, and most Democrats do. So now it's gone almost right down the middle. A partisan issue because it's been commercialized it's been politicized to the point where the people who they're after are not racists they're republicans mm-hmm. they're funding democratic candidates they're trying to defund police which actually isn't a left-right issue but they'll make you think it is um so they they blew the opportunity they had by overreaching i mean i know people like mark cuban who is on my podcast tried to say it's just about a movement you know to, to improve race relations well that's that's pie in the sky stuff that's mm-hmm. not actually true if you look at what for example the seattle black lives matter movement put out like what are we all about we are about defunding the police of course opening up all prisons dismantling the justice system um attacking the education system they don't want a male female uh, nuclear family i mean it's like wow you've got a lot of work ahead of you but i think i'm going to withhold my donation until i because right. you know, i kind of want the criminals to stay in the prisons I, I call me i'm one of those suburban moms maybe no i'm actually living in new york city but still i want the prisoners to stay in prison right <laughs> now, right weird like that
0: right i you know i i said in 2004 uh, when the democrats put michael moore into the presidential box and i think jimmy carter was sitting next to him and i said. Democrats, you don't know what you're dealing with here. You're dealing with uh, a movement that is not mainstream. Now, this is Michael Moore, but back then, not mainstream. You think you're going to use him and others like him as fuel. But they are going to eat you in the end. Um, and I think that's what we're seeing now. That, I mean, the Democrats have been playing footsie with these very dangerous groups i guess thinking that it politically will help them but now they've got to try to put this back into a into a bottle and i don't think they're going to be able to do it
1: well that'll be the interesting thing glenn because what's happened candace owens has been pointing this out and this this is true as a member of the media i've seen it too every four years right before election time they pick a case of a black male being unfairly attacked or, mm-hmm. or attacked for some reason by a police officer. And they try to gin up racial sentiments around it, you know, as opposed to, you know, not highlighting the case of Tony Timba, the white guy who had cops on his neck for 16 minutes being totally brutal and they didn't care at all about him. I'm not saying that's good. I'm just saying it wasn't a racial issue with Tony. Yeah, And th- you know a lot of people would argue, where's the proof that it was a racial issue with George Floyd, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's a presumption because the cop was white and George was black, but they presume that a lot and they really gin it up in an election year. So y- there's a real question about whether we're being manipulated. And honestly, the media has a huge role in it. The media takes a tape and they roll it over and over and over and over again. And I think the average America has no idea that in 2019, the number of black men who are unarmed, who were killed by police. If you give the Washington Post its revised number because it revised them upward when Mm -hmm. they realized people were going to look at them is about 15, depending on which cases. But it's about 15. That's being charitable to them. 15, the cops make 11 million arrests a year, Mm -hmm. 11 million. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the number of white men who are killed, who are, who don't have a weapon and keep in mind, they consider you unarmed. If you have a weapon in your glove box and you're driving, you're unarmed according to these stats, um, is much higher, but they say, okay, well, black people only comprise, you know, 13 to 14% of the population. And there's, it's a higher percentage than that, but you have to look at the crime rate. You have to look at the crime rate of black men who are usually the ones in this situation you look at that you're a racist so this is how it goes right downward spiral from there facts are still knowable and the media has an obligation to present them with context right instead of just putting a video on loop to mislead people into thinking like lebron james said that black men are getting hunted in the streets by police which is a lie
0: right um so is i mean i used to be much more charitable towards the media than I am now. I mean, I saw the same games played at CNN that I saw played at Fox. And it's, if you like television news, it's great. It's like sausage. You don't ever wanna see it made because I've seen it from the start to finish and it rarely resembles what it started out as. Um, And I used to be more charitable. Well, people, you know, everybody has their own kind of viewpoint and they're kind of, you know, they're trying, struggling. Then I started realizing they're not interested there. I mean, I don't know how many how many interviews I have done where the person looking at me who's interviewing me has absolutely no interest into what I'm going to say. They have their list of questions. They're going there. They've already made their mind up and they just go.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, I wonder. Yeah, they're not, they're go not ahead. trying to learn. Yeah, they're not there. Yeah, they're not trying to learn. Yeah. I mean, it's like and even now not only are they not trying to learn, they're afraid to ask follow-up questions if they're on a dicey subject. I mean, I, I remember sitting this summer, I was doing my makeup and I had the TV on and Alison Camerata uh, of CNN, who used to be at Fox, mm-hmm. was interviewing some woman and who was in favor of defunding the police. And Alison said, well, I, you know, I have young kids and what's going to happen? Who am I going to call if in the middle of the night somebody breaks in my home? And the response was, that's your privilege talking. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, n- whether it is or it isn't, my privilege wants an answer. Right? Like, mm-hmm. Allison asked no follow up to that. Why? Because she's scared. She's scared if she asks any follow up. She's like, holy shit, maybe it is my white privilege talking. Oh, my God, I've got to check my privilege. I don't know. Like, I, I mean, if I had been there, I would have been like, okay, sure. My privilege wants an answer right now. What is it supposed right. to do? Who's my privilege? to call? supposed Because I still got the three kids in the back, whether you shame me or you don't. But nobody will do that because they don't want to be called a racist. They don't want to be called an elitist. Well, Megan, I don't buy that. Gotta...
0: I, I'm sorry. I don't buy that. I've been called a racist for 15 years. I don't feel like uh, there's a racist bone in my body. Maybe there is. I mean, I'm, we all have our own uh, you know, problems. But I really try to be open-minded. I, I will not tolerate this garbage it doesn't stop me it doesn't stop you so what is the deal with what 95 percent of the journalists that are they're just going along with what's happened over the last five years
1: well i think it's a couple of things i think number one they believe in that same ideology they're on board but a lot of them are not center left they're left left and th- it makes them feel better to demonize others, to try to say, I am better. I am the anti-racist. I am the anti-sexist. And just by demonizing people who don't think like uh, I do, I feel better. So they like to have people like that on who affirm their worldview and make them feel better than. Um, but I also think for those who aren't fully bought in, they're afraid. Yeah, They're afraid they're going to get fired. They're going to say the wrong thing. You can get fired now for liking a President Trump tweet. I mean, you can, you know, you can say something you think is totally innocuous and then only to find out the Internet has turned on you. And if you don't have a supportive boss, you're done. And most people don't have financial independence, so they really have to worry about it.
0: No denying that 2020 has been a crazy year. We're seeing chaos happening in cities all across America we never imagined to see. Because of all of that chaos happening in our own communities, we had to ensure that our own reporters at the blaze, that are brave enough to go out onto the scene in some of this chaos here in America are protected for any situation they may face. We have sent reporters into war zones before, and yes, they were wearing Kevlar, but now our own Elijah Schaefer has been confronted so many times and his life has been put into danger. It made us look for the best way to protect him here and to protect our crew should they be caught in the middle of any kind of situation. You might be in one of those situations just going into town shopping for ballistic body armor may seem like something you never thought you'd have to do. And God forbid we ever did have to do it, but I've done it. I would like you to consider doing it too. We have um, made friends with a new company called AR 500 armor. AR 500 armor are the ones that we turn to and we trust uh outfitting all of us i mean mine is in nor i don't know if there's any ballistic armor left after they made it for- anyway for any kind of uh situation that you might find yourself in where you're just trying to get to work and you want to feel safe ar500 armor makes buying ballistic body armor easy approachable and affordable They build a special package that's 30% off just for you. It's perfect for anyone trying to ensure that they have just the right amount of protection for any dangerous situation while maintaining affordability. Go to AR500Armor.com slash Beck. AR500Armor.com slash Beck. See the package. Use the promo code Beck for 20% off anything else in their entire store. Plan now for how you plan to protect yourself and your family. Trust AR500 Armor at AR500Armor.com slash Beck. What role did we play in this division, do you think? Now, I, I hate to well, I don't... put you in the collective we here, but people like me. I mean, when I was at Fox, I spoke my mind. I said the things that I, you know, I said at Fox, I think President Obama is racist. No, wait, that's not quite right. He just seems to have some sort of deep-seated hatred for the white culture. Well, what I was feeling, and I and I just realized this in the last year, what I was feeling that I didn't understand was critical race theory.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So did we Look, play I, a I role in this or were we exposing I, the truth?
1: I don't I don't see it quite like that. I don't I mean I'm I'm proud of the work I did at Fox News and I, I also think in general the Fox News mission is a good one you know to give voice to the voiceless which is half the country to remind people that they are not alone that 71 million people in this country feel as they do 74 million voted for biden 71 million voted for trump you're not alone no matter what the media tells you or hollywood tells you or big tech or corporate america but listen i'm not going to say that everyone's perfect you go on tv and the nature of cable is a little freewheeling sometimes you say things. That aren't perfectly well phrased. phrased. Yeah. And and the the beauty is you can go on and clarify or apologize if you feel you need to. And that's all appropriate. What's not appropriate is trying to ruin someone Correct. for having one of those moments. That's what the other side does. Correct. The the quote left, capital left, the, the established media that wants to make themselves feel better as though they've never made and never will make a mistake. And I think the average people, you know, sitting out there watching this, are disgusted by them, and but but it, it's become so ubiquitous they sit at home thinking, "Am I crazy? Am I? Am I? Maybe I am right. the one. Maybe every thought I have is awful. I, like like <laughs> that's what they're telling me. Correct. You know that's why the Fox News mission is a valid one, if very imperfectly executed." Our mission right now in this digital world is also the same.
0: Let me let me just throw in on the Fox News mission. I've always believed that. And I know that was, you know, the the understanding when they were built. I don't think that's the understanding. You can't have Neil Cavuto last night or a couple of nights ago say, uh, let's uh, let's stop taking the White House press person because that's dangerous stuff. We don't want to listen to that who Mm -hmm. if if i went and said okay well i do want to listen to that i want to judge for myself i don't even know where i would go to get it but i know that if i got it and reposted it i'd be demonetized or i'd be throttled by one of the social medias Mm -hmm. what happened to this idea that there is no church you know there is no uh uh, catholic church saying no the world is flat right where is the other where's the other side we can't express it now
1: well i agree with that i mean i tweeted out about this i thought that was wrong and i thought it was wrong when the network news anchors interrupted trump you want to fact check the president great that's what a journalist should do i have no problem with that you wait until he's offered whatever statement it is he has to offer correct you're not you're not the papa. You're not the daddy of the viewer, right? You're the news anchor. You don't get to interfere in, in that relationship between the president and the people. And if we want to open that door, Glenn, where's that going to end? You know, I tweeted out, Can you imagine if we had done this when we knew we knew it was untrue that if you like your plan, you can keep your plan. If you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. Do you yep. have any idea how many times I could have in, I could have interrupted oh, Barack yeah, Obama? Me too. I could have pulled him off the air yep. so many times to say that's not true. And guess what? That's really dangerous. Right. Because Kaylee McEnany, worst case scenario, is undermining your faith in the electoral process. Barack Obama is is going to take away your health plan and your doctor and actually put lives at risk with that lie, which at the time we knew it was untrue. We just didn't know if he knew it was untrue. So I never called it a lie. And then the reporting came out. (laughs) He knew it was untrue. And that's what leads me to say it was a lie. And he knew it was a lie when he did it. And we let him tell it. And then we fact checked him. I don't know who they think they are. Cutting off the president, the press secretary. So, and I think that's got to stop. And I, and I think, you know, if Roger Ailes had been there, he, he would have had a talk with Neil Cavuto.
0: Oh, he would have had a talk. Um, absolutely. The, um, the, the scary thing here is, and I don't know, I was just talking to Dave Rubin about this last week. And I said, Dave, I, I find myself in this really weird position to where i take people i mean i said on wabc in 1999 there'll be blood buildings and bodies in the streets of manhattan in the next 10 years and osama bin laden's name will be all over it because i take people at their word when they say Mm -hmm. they're going to do something that's crazy they usually do it if they have the opportunity so when i look at the truth and reconciliation project and i look at this movement Where they're saying that we have to shame these people out of polite society, make sure they never work again. I, I look at that and I am struck by something I never understood in history until now. What, what were the German Jews thinking in 1930 to 1934? I mean, they told you what was coming. And I think... They may have been thinking something similar that we are. They don't really mean that. That's never going to happen here. People are never going to do those things. to. Ep- we're different.
1: Are we different? Well, we're different than Nazi Germany. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but- I
0: know. But, but we're not different as people when you just keep letting bad <laughs> ideas and people just go unchecked.
1: Don't you? You can be an optimist. And be realistic at the same time. You can be somebody who hopes that somehow people will appeal to their own better angels and act well, but be realistic about the evidence in front of your face. And I completely agree with you on this accountability project being started by former Obama-Biden guys. Yep. Um, how they're going to come and get not just the people who worked in the Trump administration, which is bad enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not just them. Like, sure, let's, let's go get, let's make sure Rick Grinnell, the first openly gay guy to ever work at the cabinet level in the United States, let's make sure he never works again. Sure, let's get behind that. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So let's put the uh, cabinet officials and this, the Trump administration officials to the side, absurd as that is. They're saying they're going to go after any Trump enabler. Enabler. OK, so that means voters. That means anybody who's sending out pro-Trump tweets. And not only are they are going to try to stop you from getting a job by blackballing you or threatening your employer, they're talking about how if you want to write a book, good luck, because we're going to go to the publisher and we're going to say we will blackball that book and we will blackball and boycott every single book in your entire library. But go ahead, sign a contract with them. It- it's insane. And so you have to be realistic about what they're saying they're going to do and trust them because you know what they did with this accountability project glenn is they kind of lifted the dress up uh-huh. you know like they kind of they showed it they yeah. showed it all you know they, they said the thing out loud that they normally yep. don't say in, in here in new york city where i live that voted i think it was 87 percent democrat in the presidential election um that you know better than to start talking about something good trump did in, in any society here the cocktail party mm-hmm. picking up your kid from school mm-hmm. anywhere not just because you know you're someone's going to recoil in horror But it could be held against your kid or you in some way. Can you imagine having said it openly and now having people like this feel emboldened because their leader has ascended to the top and, you know, they're getting their list together and they've got the support of the media? It's not just these activists. The media, number one, would support it anyway. You saw the Jake Tapper tweet. Oh, yeah. Number two is openly saying that Jennifer Rubin, that lunatic at The Washington Post. Crazy. The Washington Post. Democracy dies in darkness. Oh, but the light has come out, Glenn. She actually said, we have a list. And anyone pushing bogus claims of voter fraud, okay, so if you're looking into that right now, is going on the list and it will no longer be hired at a corporate board level, be able to publish a book, or be accepted into polite society. Okay, so if if it's Jennifer Rubin's polite society, we're good. None of us wants to be there, so... <laughs>
0: You have. But the truth is, you, you have. You. The you have people in the Washington Post. You have people in the New York Times. You have Robert Reich saying it. You have a website now run by some pretty big names that are now gathering names. They've taken the names down, but just a couple of days ago, they were all posted there. But they realized they overstepped by posting the names. Um, but they are serious. How is that different than a small little group of people? um you know in in a foreign country in the 30s saying we're gonna get these people these people these communists have to go the only difference is power
1: it's escalating because uh uh, six months ago even three months ago especially three months ago over the summer crazy i don't know about you but i had so many people coming up to me saying like i uh, this is how i feel right Uh They, they don't want to say it out loud anymore people are already getting afraid to say how they really feel because you've been called a racist i've been called a racist i mean we're kind of used to it now if you're at all affiliated the right wing you've been called a racist after time it just doesn't have the same effect on you but think of your if you're a civilian it it still has a massive effect on you Mm -hmm. and you'll do anything to avoid it and you certainly don't feel comfortable saying i don't support black lives matter i don't believe in their crazy mission which is to defund police which by the way will hurt black people more than anybody Anybody else else. they don't they don't want to say it. so we started off with the you know the the underground conversations and even out in hollywood you know for a while they had um friends of abe Mm -hmm. right the underground hollywood Mm -hmm. folks who they can never say that they're republican never Mm -hmm. they had to meet underground and Mm -hmm. sort of see that they weren't alone and now it's escalating to above ground now joe biden's elected it so so it appears and they're saying it out loud they're they're proud of it they're They're openly declaring what they're going to do to the other 70 million. And so far, other than a few people saying, hey, what? People are pretty quiet about it. They're going about their day. They may not realize that they're coming for you.
2: Okay, let
0: me take a second to talk about uh, Not Free America. This is a new book that is out and you're going to love it. It is written by Mike Donovan, is the guy who has fought tyranny for years. He Um, is the actual founder of the nation's largest pro bono civil rights law firm. And I used to I mean, you used to think that civil rights were just like the left. They were, you know, I have a right to put a crucifix in urine. Well, civil rights are becoming more and more important, and they have been infringed upon for a long time. Our Bill of Rights has been under attack long before COVID-19 or George Floyd's murder. If you refuse to surrender liberty to any earthly power, may I suggest you read Not Free America. It solves the issue of citizens being used by the government, um, but it's not just a it's not just a book that tells you the problem, it actually has a solution. I want you to go to the website, notfreeamerica.com, take the liberty pledge and order your copy today. Find out how to stop the overreaching abuse of our government and what actions you can take to do better. Work together. Uh, fix America together. Stand for liberty. I want you to go to NotFreeAmerica, NotFreeAmerica.com. Order your book today. Tell me what this election really says to you. Uh, assuming Joe Biden is our next president. It was a close election. Um, and, and Joe Biden is, I, I mean, don't, I do not mean this in a mean way. I remember my grandfather when we had to take his keys away from him. And that's where Joe Biden is in his life. And I don't say that with any malice in my heart. I really don't. I think it's sad to watch a man yeah. who has been great. I don't agree with any of his policies, but he has been a leader for a very long time. And to watch him fade like this and to be pushed into into this, um, as we're as we're looking at half the country voted for a guy who's slipping And a guy they think is going to be moderate, even though everyone around him is is radical. Mm. And they voted against I don't know if they voted for him or just against the chaos. I I think there was a lot of people that just said, I can't take the bickering. And this guy is just going to he sees not red states and blue states. He sees the United States. And that's where we're going. Is there going to be a wake-up call if he's not that guy?
1: Mm, Yes, because I think the way I interpreted the vote was they did reject wokeism. That's why the Democrats lost 10 or 11 seats in the the House. That's why it doesn't look like they have control of the Senate. Uh, We have the two runoffs in Georgia, but the Republicans have never lost a runoff in Georgia, ever. Um, So we got that going. That's why they lost at the state level. I do think the the rejection of Trump in those 74 million votes was about Trump's personal behavior yes. and not about his pushback against these things, which they don't like. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why the people who really did Trump in were college educated suburban suburbanites, uh, women in particular, but also men. If you went to college and and you live in the suburbs, you didn't vote Trump. And what is that about? That that's about, you know, chaos at the white house uh pepper spraying people you know who are protesting outside of the white house and then denying you did it so they can have a photo op with the bible you know uh the many lies that he would tell for no reason mm-hmm. like the crowd sizes which we all knew wasn't true like just erratic behavior that makes i think a lot of women i know say um i'm not sure I'm not sure. And I, I don't really want my kids seeing. And then maybe we'll just go with the old guy who says he'll just do the one term. And he's always been moderate. He's got 50 years to prove that. So he's going to move my chips over here just for this one time. And then we'll see. And and I'll keep him boxed in because I'm going to vote uh, Republican down ticket. Mm-hmm.
0: I I think that a lot of people that I know felt that way up until really Kavanaugh. Then things started to change. I know a lot of people, even to this day, even me, I don't like defending Trump's behavior. I don't. There's this just. I, I can't defend it. Um, however, yeah, I was gonna
1: say, you should. You don't have to.
0: Right. But however, there has come to me in the last year or so. Um, a thought that really only he he's a ticking time bomb and he just blows things up whenever he's in the room. And I was so concerned in 16 when people said, I just want to burn the whole thing down. And I was like, no, 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 you don't. No, you don't. It's taken us 240 plus years to build this. Let's not burn it down. Um, But in a way, I think that's what he did. He exposed the media. He exposed the um, deep state, if you will, that there's something going on with our intelligence community, State Department, with our Justice Department. There's something going on. We never got to the bottom of it. But I think because he was such a ticking time bomb, they reacted so viscerally that they exposed themselves. Do you agree with that or not?
1: No, I do. I mean, I think that's that's some of the good that Trump did. Right. You know, I think that's why when he did his crazy stuff in the primary back in 16 or 15 leading into 16 on the stuff we said about john mccain going after a gold star family nine-month campaign against me for one debate question all his weird these weird choices he made people loved it why because they wanted to see a gold star family attacked absolutely not no. because they didn't think john mccain was a war hero absolutely not it was this guy doesn't give a fig right he will be the wrecking ball look at him he doesn't care what anybody thinks of him i mean that's that's the weirdness of trump he does really care but he doesn't behave like he cares right um and they were right that's why when he got to washington he broke every conventional norm and really did shake up a lot of industries and showed us the truth and the media is the best example of that because they were always anti-republican and they they always had an agenda but man did he pull the veil off. And now I think most clear seeing people can, can list five examples off the top of their head of, you know, journalists they thought were objective who are actually left-wing activists. But I think that, you know, the 57% of suburban college educated people who are like, no, some of them are yes, liberal, but the the ones who are Republican were like, he's good. Got our three Supreme court justices, knocked down a bunch of things that needed knocking. Yeah, 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 But like, we're going to leave the rest of the things standing.
0: So do you don't think there will be any pursuit of the Hunter Biden stuff? That's I over. Do you think?
1: I think so. I, I think so. I actually, I would like to see it pursued. He's closer to power now than he oh, yeah. ever has been. Oh yeah. And you know, Hunter, he does not, I've said this about Trump. It's true of Hunter too. Does not have an adult relationship with the truth or ethics or morality or straight financial dealings. And that's a problem. Joe Biden better keep him nowhere near the White House. We better be focused on him like a laser. Otherwise, he's going to get another Burisma deal going.
0: I actually feel bad in some ways, very little um, uh, for Hunter, because I think he is, um, uh, what's that uh, HBO show uh, with the family that's clearly the Murdoch's?
1: Uh, Oh, succession.
0: Yeah, Succession is clearly the Murdoch. That's very much. I mean, you can look at the Biden family and it's it seems kind of like that, that he's this son who seems to be put through the ringer by a dad, at least according to the emails between uh, Hunter and the family. This is the way he looks at it, that he's kind of carrying the weight and dad you know, takes 50% of it, but I'm keeping this family going. Uh, Any comment on that?
1: So I, I, I don't see it like that. Um, Succession is amazing, by the way. I can't wait till it comes back. It's such a good show. It is. Um, The the family there is beyond repair. It's so damaged and so messed up. Look, I interviewed Joe Biden and Jill Biden when Joe released his book. Um, And I guess it was fall of 18. I want to say, And I read his book cover to cover and you read the book and you close the book and you think this is a good man. This is a good man who's been through a lot in his life. Mm -hmm. And I think his son Bo was a good man and was on his was on the rise uh, as a force in politics. Um, I think Hunter has a drug problem. I think he has a crack. He has a crack cocaine problem. And I don't know about you, but I've had people in my family who have had addiction problems. And it's it is like having a nuclear bomb go off in your family. I mean, the people who you know and love and trust and you know have good hearts will lie and cheat and steal and ruin and wreck everything. And all you can do is feel totally powerless next to them. So I, to, the way I see it, because ra- he raised a, a good son with you know model behavior, and he raised another son who's had real struggles and very open drug problems. I don't see that as Joe Biden you know, is a, su- a succession type dad. I see that as um, he had the misfortune of drugs coming into his family and but the problem has not yet been resolved and hunter biden is now really close to a really important power circle
0: so you're not and we
1: do need to be assured he's not going to continue this behavior
0: and you're not you're not you don't see any validity in the the china deals and the backroom deals
1: oh no i don't know okay i'm not ruling that out okay to the contrary okay i think there's more than enough reason to keep looking we've had independent witnesses come forward to validate the emails and say this was the deal i just think that if you read there first of all there are lovely emails from joe biden to hunter that i could relate to as a family member of somebody who's an addict just expressing love and trying to remind the person they come from a place of love and they have people who will support them what you see in the emails is hunter is bitter and feels put upon and i've got to go out there because my dad's a politician. i've got to earn all the money yeah and honestly like to me i'm like "Mm -hmm, that's an addict talking like that i'm not not attributed all to that i'm just saying having read the book having interviewed joe biden having learned a fair amount about their family i i don't i think he's a good dad who's struggling with a kid who's in a lot of trouble and that doesn't excuse what hunter biden did though and we as the media need to look into it Mm -hmm a to find out whether joe biden himself did anything untoward in these business deals and b to make sure we know what we're getting one step away from the oval office
0: um i only talked to roger ailes a couple of times after i left fox one of them was when you were being dragged through the mud and i called roger because i watched that and i thought where's the roger i know that doesn't allow anyone to beat up on his hosts and i called him and i said roger what's happening why, why why is why aren't you circling the wagons around megan here uh getting beat up because of that question his answer was i ah, he's you know trump is trump and he's i was shocked uh by that behavior from fox because there was no protection of you what was your last what was your last week or so what did it feel like being well, completely is seemingly completely alone at that time.
1: Yeah, this is when Trump was coming after me. Um, it was extremely stressful. It, it was a, it was not a good time for, yeah. for me professionally and as a result, personally, because the security threats got big. It wasn't just like the normal death threats yeah, yeah. you get as a public. Leader. So yeah. sadly, that is a thing that I got used to. It was like criminal profiles coming in from serious security agents sure. letting me know I time security and people showing up at my house um in the middle of the night in the middle of the day uh, a lot of examples of confronting me on the street with my kids I had to go to disney world with armed guards so it, it was just, And
2: they're done that it
1: was, when it comes to yeah security you i remember you when you left Fox. you were surrounded by like six security guards it was crazy So it's crazy. sometimes the life of a public figure and certainly trump had made me way more of a public figure yeah than um, and, and in a negative way, like he was attacking me.
0: It was interesting. So the, first, it, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: At first, I understood Rogers, the pickle he was in, because he was trying to keep what was then the Breitbart wing of the Fox News viewership mm-hmm. and keep more national review wing of the viewership, right? Sort of the mm-hmm. more intellectual Republican mm-hmm. wing and then more like, you know, working class, let's fight it out wing mm-hmm. in, the, in the Breitbart. And he didn't want to do anything that was going to alienate the Breitbart wing, because that was Trump's core. And even more than Trump, Steve Bannon, who I have absolutely nothing but bad things to say about. Thank you. Um, Thank it up you. More than I have. Not mo- a lot of I
2: have
0: more than, than bad, bad things to say about him. Yeah. yeah. he's
1: Not one of them. No, he's, he's a genuinely bad person. Yeah. Genuinely bad. Yeah. And will soon be in federal prison from the way things look. So mm. great. Um, Anyway, so he was really ginning it up. I mean, he was the one who'd get the campaigns going, and like the worst things were being posted about me that were threatening and awful and genuinely Mm. misogynistic, blah, blah, blah. So at first, I understood Roger, and then it went on and on and on, and he wouldn't say anything, and Trump kept ramping it up. Yep. Uh, And I'll tell you this. I think Roger was worried about the viewership and how that would affect him. I think we later found out that Roger had his own vulnerabilities that he might have been worried somebody knew about, like Trump. I don't know.
0: And
1: I think <laughs> I want to say, say one other thing about it.
0: Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Because
1: let me tell you, after I asked Trump that debate question, <laughs> Roger didn't speak to me for months. For mo- And he didn't speak to Brett and he didn't speak to Chris Wallace. Mm. He was mad. And I was the closest to him of that trio. And finally, he called me in there tried to hold it in, didn't want to let it out. And then finally he could control himself no longer. And he went off on me about the question. And he kept saying to me, Glenn, this is a, just a for perspective for the audience about a year before ALE's would go down. Thanks to the sexual harassment scandal mm-hmm. against him. And he kept saying to me, how could you, you never know what he could have come back at you with, you know, he could have turned the tables on you and said, what have you done? And I remember sitting there like, that would have been fine. <laughs> like, <I've done laughs> I know. Nothing okay yeah but now and even when i was sitting there with with ales i knew he had harassed me but i wasn't thinking oh he's worried about himself because he must be a serial harasser i, was, I didn't even come uh. to my mind because i put that in the in the rearview mirror years ago i always just attributed to he wanted to have an affair with me it wasn't that he was a serial harasser so anyway i know he was mad about the question what i wanted to say is the third point the the best statements that came out of fox during that time that really did stand up for me were from Irina briganti Oh my gosh! Who I know she's a complicated person, and I mean she's come <laughs> after me, and i like, we've had serious problems the two of us. But I will say ha- she's the only one who really had my back. And mm. now have spent a couple of years at NBC. Let me just say I would have loved to have had a longer relationship with Irina briganti than I wound up having. <laughs> she knows how to fight
0: yeah i will tell you it. that that is the one thing about her is she's the press one of the press people at, at fox and uh and that's the one thing that fox did well and that's why i questioned where are you roger uh on megan because they know how to fight um and they will fight internally their own people uh sometimes if they turn on you it is it is ugly
1: uh i, well, I wait, can i tell you something the best statement she put out like the fiercest statement fox put out Roger was in the hospital. He was having his back operated on, and it came from her directly. Mm. And, and she did get her hand slapped after it was done. I so bet she did. That sort of explains some of the conflicting yep. messaging.
0: So I, I, I've heard you talk about NBC, and I don't want to get into all of this, but you said that you went over there, they offered you a buttload of money, you were you know wine and dine, and you just wanted to be a mom and have a normal life, which you're clearly not having when you, when you do what? we do in in news especially at night and prime time um and i i looked at that when you did that i was like wow i hope that works but i i i don't know how that's gonna work
1: should have called me
0: <laughs> i did I, I wrote you several times um no, you, you did. uh and uh, uh and i i i was encouraging to you i think if i'm not mistaken. While you you, were doing, you've
1: always been a sweetheart.
0: Yeah. Um when you were doing the show. But uh, when did you know? When did you go, oh crap, this is a huge mistake?
2: Hmm.
1: That is a good question. Um, I guess it, you know, it was a boiled frog situation where it took a couple it took a couple of you know minutes in the increasingly hot water for me to figure out not only is it not working, but it's just, it's awful. You know, my life is awful and I'm, no one sees me clearly here. You know, no one one understands who I am and and there's not a willingness to amongst my critics. Um, So, I did the Alex Jones interview and that really threw me because everyone and their mother had interviewed Alex Jones, mainstream journalist in the New York Times and, um the new yorker i think it was and Piers morgan on cnn moments like very soon after he had said these crazy things about sandy hook being a, a hoax no one cared no, everybody thought it was right. pushback and so then but then i did it and it was like <sighs> you know it was like i was devil woman and um i didn't understand it was like six of the newtown families did object to that interview um, but 19 of the families were either very pro my doing it sure. because they wanted to see him held to account finally, right. or were neutral. Anyway, so that was a, that was a tough one. And then, uh, you know, Jane Fonda was an ass. That was kind of fun. Oh, I enjoyed that, was, that one.
0: I watched that episode. That was, that was, good. was crazy. Oh, was so I so not
1: stand her. And yeah. I do it 10 times over. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then there was weird, like, Deborah Messing came after me. For, yeah. I'm like, who is this person? Yeah. I also like being on the opposite side of her. But it was just sort of one after the other. You could see these yeah. far left people. What right. do those two people have in common? They're far lefties. Um, and the, thing, it's, the time I was really like, this is out of control, was I did a segment about, um, there was a woman who had fat shamed other women mm-hmm. who hadn't lost their baby weight soon enough. And she just got, she caught holy hell on the internet, as she should have. Then she, a year went by, she gained some weight, she felt sorry she did a mea culpa. She came on my show. I'm like, you know, that was kind of BS. Mm -hmm. She's like, you're right. And she really started to beat herself up. So I gave her a little, you know, a lifeline. And I was like, you know what? That kind of shaming, that kind of talk, it does work for some women. I said, you know, I used to be one of them. When I was in law school, I lived with my mom and my stepdad. And whenever I was going for more food at 11 o'clock at night, I used to ask my stepfather to call me a name like a fat ass on the way to the kitchen. Wow. And it worked. (laughs) I mean, you, Megan McCain, The View, Wendy, all of them are like,
2: Shh, yeah.
1: You hate fat people and you want them shamed. I'm like, bullshit. I that is what I did for myself when I was 19 or 20. It's none of your damn business how I stay thin. It's I'm crazy. a perfectly healthy person, and I was like, this is nuts, right? Like, there is nothing I can say that won't get filtered through the least positive yeah. and generous. So, so anyway, I- it just sort of seemed like a, a, a place that was totally unenjoyable. Like what I was doing was making me miserable. So- and, you know, I said to, I think it was Ben Shapiro, you know, sometimes when you're dying death by a thousand cuts, yeah. the machete is mercy.
0: Yeah. Now you don't need to elaborate on this, but I just like to know the, the contract they paid a lot of money, and I, for one, celebrated. Was it was it a very good day when you <laughs> <laughs> when they slid that contract over, and you were like, you know, this might have been worth the year and a <laughs> year and a half.
1: Well, as you might imagine, there are certain things I'm not permitted to discuss. Yeah, I um, but I will say this: as you know, I practiced law for ten years, and I have an amazing lawyer named Brian Friedman, who uh-huh. I highly recommend. And I also discourage anyone from effing with me because I will sick him on you. And, it will be <laughs> <off>. <laughs> um, and uh, there are very good reasons I feel that way about him. And that's all I'm going to yeah. say.
0: Okay. Um, let me just go back to, you know, the regular news here, the Supreme court. Um, A I don't understand how anyone had a problem with Amy Coney Barrett, unless you want the constitution to be a living document that will say whatever you want to legislate from the bench, but she seems rock solid to me. You get the same impression.
1: Yes. I'm very pro Amy Coney Barrett, very pro. And a lot of my liberal friends, um, who are lawyers who I went to law school with have sort of said to me, How should we feel about her? And I said, You should feel good. Yes, she's gonna be like Scalia, but she's not gonna be out of control. She's not gonna be somebody who's gonna be making up new law. Right. At most, she's gonna I don't see that in the constitution. She's gonna kick it back down to legislators right. who are supposed to up with new laws. That's not threatening. That's not threatening. Um and by the way, you know my overall view of it is he gets the pick he wants. Sorry right. The way it has worked since time immemorial, so to pick his person who he likes, and it, if it's a Republican, it's going to be more of a conservative ideology, and vice versa on the other side.
0: When you see um, Joe Biden talk about, oh, there's lots of ideas we can you know, lifetime appointment, but not necessarily the Supreme Court. We can move people around. They're talking about packing the courts, all kinds of new ideas to try to um, uh, to correct what they call packing the lower court uh, because the, Obama didn't finish the job in appointing judges, didn't get them through. How, how, how is America going to respond to that? And do you think they'd actually do that?
1: I don't. I don't think he has the will or the desire or the guts because it would, be, it would make the Kavanaugh confirmation hearing look like a day at the park. Can you imagine how hard the Republicans would fight against that? Oh my God. And if they win control of the Senate, they don't have to worry about it. Um, I do not think he'll do it. I think he's governed as a moderate and he used to head up the Senate Judiciary Committee. And I think he understands the high court and knows that would be eliminating the Supreme Court. We would have no, no more Supreme Court as an effective measure because it would have zero credibility. It would just become a political institution. No one would listen to the rulings. It would be the unspooling of the top of the third branch of government. So i don 't think Joe Biden 's going to do that, and I think this is really this is really an idea that was dreamt up and thought of by Jeffrey Tubin, who should have been focused more on how his zoom works instead of <laughs> crazy things we could do to the high court <laughs> um,
0: is there i 'm trying to figure out Megan I you know when I worked at Fox, we started the nine twelve project and I did that thing in washington d c and it was about letting people know they're not alone and there is hope. And it's not through the political system. It's just not. It's if we just recognize the truth of who we are, who we've always tried to be, and know that our Constitution doesn't say to form a perfect nation. It says to form a more perfect nation. And so we should always be striving for that, knowing that we'll never get there. And we're never perfect. We never was. We never were. And we probably never will be. But as long as we keep moving forward, I'm trying to find a way to where we put this thing back together. And there are really angry people on both sides. And uh, if you push and push and push and call somebody horrible names, for too long they just don't know what else to do especially if they're being silenced and they have no one speaking for them Mm -hmm. how do we how, how do we put this back together especially if you do start to see things being pushed through that that are unconstitutional and they just keep moving forward how do we respond
1: I've been thinking about that all week because, you know, Joe Biden came out and tweeted this thing out, which I responded to, and then the yep. left lost his mind. They get so upset because they're, they're still wondering if I'm on their side. I'm not. And if you're on the right and you're wondering if I'm on your side, I'm not. I'm on the side of truth. Right. Um, and reason. But the left, conti- like the, the right is like, okay. And the left is like, ah, oh, uh, how could you? You're supposed to hate Trump. He attacked you. Right. You're betraying us. Anyway, so I gave Joe Biden and Biden a hard time for this. But it's coming out of him and top Democrats, unity, unity, healing. Like, in fact, what Joe Biden tweeted was united, strengthened, healed. Oh, just that's all it takes. He just had to win. He didn't even have to get inaugurated. He right. just like, hey, we're healed. Oh, <laughs> well, no. Not true, and even if it was aspirational, though grammatically incorrect, um, it's not going to happen. And and I don't think it's a bad thing. I liked the nine twelve project, and I actually don't think you get nearly enough credit for thinking the way you do, Glenn. You're always looking for solutions, always solution oriented, and and honestly, I've known you a long time. I've listened to a lot of what you've said, the vast majority of which has been healing and kind and loving and well intended. You, you've stepped off the rails a couple of times, as every public figure has. Mm-hmm. The only difference is when you're of Fox News or of the right or you know anything not left, people are watching and ready to demonize you. So I understand the unity thought, But I really think we should be focused on something else right now, and that is liberty. That's the goal right now. And maybe if we can work on liberty, we can get back to unity. But what's happening is an erosion of liberty in the country. You Back to our earlier discussion you used to be able to say what you wanted to say in this country, think what you wanted to think in this country, be who you wanted to be in this country and not have to worry about losing your job, your friend circle, um, your ability to engage in polite society, Jennifer Rubin. And now it's changing. So now I think, and I would have said this prior to the presidential election, it's time to fight. Now is not the time to unite. What's being shoved down our throats is wrong and submission to this is not okay. You want your kid to grow up in this nonsense? He, he can't say anything without getting fired. He has to sit in order to have a corporate job or a job in the government and be told he's a racist because he was born with white skin through no fault of his own. That's the price for being a, an upstanding member of the so- society? No, no, I refuse. And as Douglas Murray says, I think it's time that we start standing up and saying, I refuse to let you do this to our society. I refuse to let you racialize us, divide us um, and take steps back by 50 years. It's not time to unify. It's time to fight.
0: One last thing. We've got about five minutes left. And I just I I saw you say that Dennis Prager made you cry. And that's why you wanted to do a podcast. How did Dennis Prager and Adam Carolla make you cry?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever said that to those yeah. <laughs> two guys. So I saw it was not long after I left NBC and I was still reeling, you know, now I'm fine. And, you know, I sort of have a good perspective on that whole ordeal. But make no mistake, when it happened, there were, there were very rough nights and a lot of tears shed. Not, not at the loss of NBC, but just at the public humiliation and, you know, everybody's calling you a racist in the paper and your kids got to see this mm-hmm. and it's, it's upsetting. You know, it's not true. You know, it's unfair, but like, it doesn't do you any good to say that. No I know. I mean, the people who love you, they didn't believe it anyway. And the people mm-hmm. who want to believe it, want to believe it. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're in an impossible situation, but so I was still in that phase. And Mark Joseph, who directed this movie, No Safe Spaces, uh, and produced it, invited me out. I was in LA and he said, why don't you come by? I'll give you a screening of it. So I went with some other random people I didn't know and uh, sat there by myself, like in my little area. And there was a scene in there about Evergreen College up in the Pacific Northwest yep. in Washington State. Yep. And this is where Brett Weinstein became a household name for a lot mm-hmm. of folks, where he was a professor who stood up to say, I don't think it's fair Because what happened was the black students had been having a sick out every year to remind white people what what it would be like without black people. Voluntary. Then one year they said, "Mm, now we want to change it. Now we want you white people to stay home. And Brett Weinstein, a liberal professor at this college, as they all are, Mm -hmm. uh, said, "Mm, I think that's different. It's different when one race is saying to everyone of the other race, don't come to support me and my cause that's it that's really all brett weinstein said like i don't i'm not sure that's the same and is a good idea they treated him like he showed up to class wearing a clan hat oh yeah the the police on campus said it's too dangerous we won't protect you the students were spitting mad at him calling him a racist and everything they could under the sun but the moment that got me glenn I mean, it was already building up. I'm watching the whole thing like, oh my God, oh my God, where are we? Where are we? Why are we doing this to one another? Was there was a black student, a young girl, 18, who liked him. She was one of his students and she wanted to cross the quad, I guess, to talk to him, just to Mm -hmm. ask him, why did you write that letter? And the, the mob was so disgusted with her. They shouted her down. And they get this woman in their clutches, and the next thing you see in the movie is, it was either later that day or the next day, she is made to read an apology in a written note card they've given her. And she, she's not a very good public speaker. Her reading aloud skills need, needed improvement, and she kept stumbling, stumbling on the words, which had clearly been written by somebody else, and they humiliated her. For what? Or just wanting to ask him why he did this thing that was utterly non-controversial, but had been made such by a group of activists who, when given an inch, will always take a mile. And I I had tears. I wept at what happened to her, what happened to him, lost his job, what happened to me, what's happening to us, to our country. That was the moment, Glenn, that I said. I'm going to get off of my damn couch and I'm going to get back out there and I'm going to do it in a way that I control it. And I can say what I know millions of people also feel. I can stand up to these bullies, not just for me, but for everyone who feels like they can't say anything anymore. And that's why I'm totally committed to this show, to this mission. And when I wake up and I go to do, do the show every day, I feel totally joyful and i don't care what they say about me what they write about me what they threaten me with i'm good
0: i will tell you when i left fox uh roger said you're not really leaving for that internet thing and he just didn't see the vision at all and i said "Yeah, i am and it is freeing and i saw a picture of you dancing in a free shirt a shirt that said free or freedom
1: Feeling and, free.
0: Yeah. And, and I can relate to it, but I'd like you just to voice what you meant by it. something like it feels so good to, I have it here, feels so good to be uh, free of corporate media or
1: something Overlords.
0: like that. Uh, being outside of, it's fun being outside of corporate media. What, what's the difference for those who don't know?
1: So many. You know, no one's trying to tell me what to say or how to lean or what story selection I have to choose or what guests I can or cannot put on. Um, No one's trying to attack me inside of my own workplace or destroy me or create a picture of me that has no bearing at all to who I really am. And separate and apart from that, and and I also love just the direct relationship with the audience. It's direct. It's so authentic Mm -hmm. and meaningful. And if they tune in, it's a real relationship between me and them. They don't They don't listen to me because I followed O'Reilly. They listen to me because they want to listen to me. So I love that. But I also have to say the digital world is fun. It's, it is joyful. Cable news is stressful and dark. And I think (laughs) if you're a viewer, you know it on some level. You don't feel good when you turn off these shows Nope. and you're not meant to. You're not, you're not meant to stoking outrage pays the bills. Digital. It's I'll just give you one example. It was election night. And I was doing a, a lot of digital stuff. And oh, no, it was one of the debate nights. I was doing a lot of uh, interviews and podcasts and stuff like that. And I I did one with Steven Crowder, who's a rip. And um, he was wearing silk boxer underwear and like a boxer's robe made out right. of silk, red, yeah, white, yeah, yeah. And blue. Yeah. And I we did an interview like that. And I'm like... I love my new world. My new world is so much more fun than my old world. Oh yeah! I love Brett Bear, but this would never have happened between the two of us. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. I just think it's more like how real people live, and it's not stodgy and it's not judgmental. It's free and it's fun and it's the future.
0: Megan, thank you so much. Always good to see you. God bless. Thanks for having. Me. Just a reminder.